All right. Well, welcome back to Let's Open the Bibles. We close out this week today on this Friday uh, podcast episode. Uh, I, I had mentioned last episode that we would maybe talk about marks of a believer, but we've kind of shifted gears on you. And uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about ways that we lie to ourselves. This is Russ. Gavin's across from me. Hello, Gavin. Hello. Uh, he's our theologian, and I'm just sort of the rudder that's uh, uh, kind of guiding the direction of things here a little bit, sometimes anyways. Uh, listener, if you have your Bible and it's safe for you to open it, we want to invite you to open your copy of God's Word to that really robust chapter of 1 John uh, chapter 1. Uh, maybe it's been a minute since you've been in 1 John. It's uh, deceptive. It's, it's right there in the Bible before 2 John. Uh, and so if you, if you head towards nearly the end of the Bible, you'll, you'll be in the right ballpark. But we're going to read verses 8 through 10 talk a little bit about that, and then we're going to look at uh, chapter 2 if we uh, if we can get there. Uh, Gavin, I'm going to open us in prayer if you want to read the passage today. All right. Father, we thank you again for your love and grace. Thank you for the opportunity that we have that you've given us, uh, Father, to hold in our hands your words, uh, Lord, uh, your words that guide us in truth, that reveal uh, something of yourself to us. Uh, Lord, that you've given us this medium to be able to speak into these microphones that, uh, Lord, hopefully provides help to the listener, uh, edifying them uh, to you know, equip the saints to do the work of ministry, as, as your word tells us. And so, Lord, let us, uh, let us do all that we do, whether we eat or drink or whatever it is that we do, Father. Let us all do all that we do for your glory. And so, Lord, just be glorified today as you guide us in truth. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, again, ways that we maybe lie to ourselves. Uh, Gavin, you were going to read. Sure. And, and as we read, keep in mind that you have a deceitful heart that will tell you things that are not true. Um, I, I think both you and I have experienced situations in church where everybody thinks they're right. Yes, and I absolutely. believe in the law of non-contradiction, which means that two mutually exclusive things cannot both be right. So if somebody says, you know, uh, your, your desk is green and somebody else says it's red, unless we're, they're looking at it from totally two different views and getting two totally different, you know, sides of the desk, they can't both be true. Yeah. And yet everybody believes they're true. Uh, they're right. And so how do we as Christians, at, at least in the essentials, be warned that we have a, what do you call it? Stinking thinking? Yes. Okay, we have a bad way of seeing things. And, and just to be warned, do not fall for that lie. Okay, so that, that's kind of what I'm thinking of as we go through this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Ouch. Well, we're quick to hold on to verse 9. Hmm. Yeah, but we don't like verses seven and eight, right? So, or ten, rather. So, what's the stinking thinking that you see there? Self-deception, you know, okay. which is you know is when we lie to ourselves and we maybe pat ourselves on the back, or or as you said, I think rightly, you know, when when we all feel like we're right, and and as you were describing that, I was thinking of the and you know this analogy of everybody, uh, all the the four blind guys that are surrounding an elephant, and they're describing what is true based on their experience. 
uh, you know, one guy with the tusk, one guy with the tail, one guy with the foot, you know, they, they all are defining what this elephant is from a different perspective. They're the, and, and it's just, it, it's just based on their perspective. Right. That, but, but I, we warned against that, that illustration last time, because that's how people talk about religion, right? Is that everybody has just a different perspective, but we're all talking about the same elephant or, or the same God. Yeah. Right. And unless you're Hindu, that's not the same thing. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, Anyways, that uh, was, that was, man, that was, uh, that snuck in on me. <laughs> no, but, uh, um, so the, the, the correspondence theory of truth is, um, is that which corresponds to reality. And, and people have said, well, that doesn't hold water because everybody has a different, you know, perception and stuff. I, I always say the correspondence, uh, theory of truth holds water. If you say it's from God's perspective, not ours. Yeah. God is true. Let God be true. And every man a liar. So if God says this, and that, that's what it's, he's warning against, if you don't believe this, you're calling God a liar. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that's a, not the best place to be. If no, we say we place. have not sinned, we make God a liar. So, so let's start with the guaranteed assumption that I, I sin. What does that do when I have a problem with a church member or what, what does it do when I have a problem with my wife or what does it do when I have a problem with anybody or anything? It forces me to recognize I don't see things clearly and I need to take that board out of my own eye before I, I look at the splinter in my brother's and I'm compelled and obligated to help my brother with his splinter in his eye, but I need to recognize I have a board in mine. The other part of that is when I do any counseling, I need to acknowledge like, listen, um, I heard this from a, a guy in, in my Bible study, and it just really hit me. He said, I just start out acknowledging I don't see things perfectly clearly. And this is one fallen person speaking to another fallen person. And so we're going to try to work through this. But if you're looking at me as sinless, inspired, and inerrant, we've got problems. Right. Yeah, because you're you're making me something that I'm not. That I'm not and I'm not supposed to be. Right. So so we're we're working together to to see the world according to God's truth. And one of the things God's truth assures me of is I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. That took that that was a struggle to say. No. That is not a struggle for me to but say. But you know, that's the argument that stopped me in my tracks when I was wrestling with my call to ministries. And I sat down across from this uh, newly, uh, freshly minted youth pastor that we had hired at this church I was at. And I was explaining to him why God couldn't call me. And he finally stopped me and he said, Russ, do you think I'm perfect? Yeah. Well, that's a conversation ender. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. And let me and let me give you another one. Is There are people that, that don't want to stand up on a Sunday morning and lead in worship or preach. And I've experienced them firsthand because because they've sinned that week. Hmm. Excuse me? Yeah. Who stands behind the pulpit having arrived? If you say you haven't sinned, man, the truth is not in you. Right. You don't... I, I want to be Isaiah six. Now, now listen. That doesn't. Uh, I want to be clear. It doesn't allow for us to be. Uh, you know, we as pastors are called to be above reproach. We are to be well thought of by outsiders. So there's a there's a huge litany of requirements that don't allow us just to sin and be casual with it. I mean, if we're casual with our sin, we're going to get into another lie that's coming up in First John. I mean, if you're just walking in sin and going, "Hey, man, you're not you're not even saved." If there's no sanctification, there's no justification that has taken place in you. But <clears throat> But if you think anybody stands up there having arrived, we, I mean, that just doesn't happen behind the pulpit, leading worship, something like that. You're fairly young. 
Um, but when you were younger, before you were called to ministry, uh, were you ever asked to serve as a deacon? I was asked that actually to serve as an elder, okay. totally unqualified, totally unqualified, but to serve as an elder. And what was your first response when they asked you? Sure, because I had no idea what it was. Okay. I had no, I, there was no trembling. Like I love the story of Luther when his dad came to his first uh, service and he's like, you know, having a total breakdown, can't do anything because he realizes the weight of serving communion that he, he believed it was the transubstantiated body and blood of Jesus. But But regardless, he just was frozen. I had none of that. I, I mean, and I say this to my shame, church was playtime for me when I was that young. Mm. Yeah, when I first uh, got the letter from the church that uh, was notifying me that I had been um, nominated to serve in the, in the, the there, were, there would be a, a delegation, if you will, of a couple of deacons that would come to the house and talk to me. Yeah, the first thing I said is, I can't serve. Why not? I'm not worthy. Well, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, jars of clay. Who's worthy of such a ministry? We we are to be the aroma of of uh, of life unto life and death unto death. Who's worthy? Oh, oh, woe is me. Yeah, I'm. Oh, that's what I never got there. But yeah, yeah. woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and yeah. I live amongst the people of unclean lips. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll give you another one where where we start believing we're, we're there is no sin in us. Mm. Right. It doesn't drive you to the cross. No. I think we need to acknowledge the truth. That there is sin in us, which is followed immediately by, if you don't acknowledge it, the truth is not in you. But if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think that you don't go to the cross if you think that you've arrived. Right. You don't need the cross. Or or I think Luther's concern when he says that famous line, sin boldly or sin sin powerfully, and that, that requires a long explanation. Well, if, but, you, if you have no sin, you have no need for repentance. You have no need for the cross, like you said. But, but his point in this momentary thing was we, we tiptoe around God because we, we, we don't think of his grace as magnificent. And if we just saw our sin as heinous as it is, the grace of God doesn't become smaller. It becomes massive. Mm-hmm. And, and so we serve a little, you know, let me give you an example. Maybe this makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. But if, if, if there were a little candle lit on your desk, and I start screaming at you, save yourself, save yourself. What are you going to look at me like? Like you're nuts. I'm a, I'm a loon. Kind of like Just, I'm looking at you now. <laughs> How you always look at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyways, you just go, no big deal. Blow the candle out, no big deal. But if you're in a consuming fire. Right. And someone says, save yourself. Man, you do flee to God, that strong tower, that refuge and strength, and, and to Christ Jesus uh, and, and, and that cross that is able to save your soul. Mm. Um, so, and, and so another part of that is we speak lightly of sin. This past week I had a very, uh, maybe not long enough, but, but in the moment as I'm preaching, a very powerful, poignant moment with abortion um, and divorce. And pastors need to be sensitive and loving. But I think we need to recognize, like, these things are sinful. And I had an Old Testament professor that says, you know, the in the Old Testament, when you're looking at, you know, a man collecting sticks on the Sabbath and he gets stoned to death. And we're like, what in the world? God takes sin seriously. That was the one thing I took from that class. God takes sin seriously. Amen. And then when we all when, sin, when we heap, yeah. Oh, what taking a bite of an apple is that gonna what? What would that do? Apple 
fruit, fruit whatever tomato i told you i'm pretty sure broccoli i'm pretty sure that it was the fruit of the fall broccoli's a vegetable tomatoes are aren't they a, maybe a fruit? I, I think that's an insult to other vegetables yeah. anyways yes <laughs> um so so uh oh so then you feel the weight you heap the sin upon yourself because it's what the bible does it judges you and then you go oh what a beautiful beautiful savior we have he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness what a beautiful what a wondrous cross so what are some other ways that we lie to ourselves okay we do have some time so let's let's hop to the next one first john um chapter two by this we know we have come to know him if we keep his commandments whoever says i know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoever keeps his word in him truly the love truly truly the love of god is perfected by this we may know that we are in him whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked so what's the what's the fallacy there what's the false idea there that that uh, we love God or we love Christ, but yet do not do what his word says. Right. <clears throat> You'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Mm. So many people say, you know, you want to mar- talk about the marks of, of a genuinely converted person. They begin to hate their sin and they begin to love righteousness. And they don't walk with Jesus because they have to. They walk with Jesus because they get to. They don't follow these commandments because they have to. They follow these commandments because they trust God is good. And every commandment reflects him. And every commandment uh, is for our good and for his glory. Now, to be clear... I'm a sola fides guy. You, we are saved by grace through faith alone. You are not saved because you have done a lot of good works. You are not saved because you're perfect. You are not saved because you are worthy. You are saved solely by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Alone, period, stop. Now, how do I know I'm saved? How do I know I believe? You know, I told you this. I love this illustration because, you know, I had a grandfather that was married 17, 19 times, right? And he swore he loved every single one of those women. Now, you're his pastor. What do you tell him? I love him. What do you say? Here's number Here's number 20. You don't 20 know what love is. What? You don't know what love is. Yeah, I do. And somebody out there may be going, well, you don't know. Maybe he does love them. Let's say he could pass a lie detector test with every single wife. I believe with all my heart that I love him. No, you don't. You don't know what love is. You don't know what love is because we have these wicked and deceitful hearts that will assure us we love him or assure us that we love God. Mm -hmm. You don't walk with him. You don't really love him. He's just a little check mark that says, get out of a hell free card, you Mm -hmm. know? So, Mm -hmm. so uh, let me get back to this. Um, uh, For somebody that says, listen, I know he was married 20 times, but he probably loved every one of those women which I would say absolutely not. No, he didn't love every one of those. He didn't keep God's commandments. No, love never ends. Love never ends. So first of all, he didn't love God and he didn't love those women. And I can say that on the authority of God's word, Mm -hmm. right? Let's go back to this. What do you say to the man who grows up and let's, let's just throw a different country that says I, and this is going to make me cringe. I beat my wife because I love her. Mm. What would you say? You don't know what love is. You don't have the prerogative to define love. God does. Right. And you don't and you have a wicked and deceitful heart that'll swear that you love her. No, you don't. You could pass a lie detector test, and I mean genuinely, not because you're manipulative, but you actually do believe you love her. And I'd still say you don't love her. Period. I don't care what you what your lying heart tells you. 
Right. So then I have to go back and say, okay, how do I know my heart's not lying to me? By the word of truth. Yeah. You love his commandments. They're not burdensome to you. They're good. They're sweet. You know, faith without works is dead. And one of the works of faith is, is to follow God and his commandments. And, and listen, it's not because they're this oppressive thing that's ruining your life. There's freedom. If the son has set you free, there's freedom in Christ and in following God's will, his way and his word. It is not a bad thing to not lie. It is a good thing. It is not a bad thing to not covet. It is a good thing. It is a freeing thing. Yes, that Psalm 19, the passage we looked at yesterday, Psalm 19, you know, 7 through 10 or whatever, you know, um, God, God's word is sweeter than the honeycomb. Oh, yeah. And when we, when we love God, it is sweeter than the honeycomb to us. Because when we love God, uh, we're, we're living for his glory. And that includes obeying his commands. Not because we have to, but because we get to, because we trust in God uh, that, that his commands are for our good. So have you just imported the law through the back door is what, you know, people say is like, listen, Galatians is the, the Magna Carta of Christian liberty. It says I am free. Like I, the law has been destroyed. I am set free in Christ. Have you just imported the, the law through the back door? No. No. Well, why? Because it's about love. Okay. So, so I, don't, I don't work for my salvation. Yes. I work because of my salvation. Great. That's good. You're victorious in Christ. You're yes. more than a conqueror. Man, Transform my mind, the, renew my heart. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. And that renewed heart is important as well. The death yeah, he died, absolutely. he died to sin once for all. All your sins are covered. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now you're free. Yeah. What do you do? The, like antinomianism is, you know, just without the law doing whatever you want. I always say it's people that hate no, yard ornaments. No moral laws apply because yeah. no laws apply. Right. Yeah, I always say it's for people that hate yard, or, yard ornaments, right? Isn't that antinomianism? You're so stupid. <laughs> brutish. That's a King James word, brutish. I'm brutish. <laughs> Stiff neck. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. But um, but antinomianism, man, there's no law. I don't have to do anything. Listen, you have been set free. Why would you follow God's law? First of all, because you love God. Right. And it's a reflection of him. And secondly, again, I know we've done this before, but if you could park anywhere in, and when you go to the mall, where would you park? If, if there were no rules, you were absolutely free, where would you park? Well, most of us would park near the door. Near the door, right? You're free. And we then, see that. Yeah. and then Just go, go to Walmart. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's why they have cones set up so you can't do it sometimes. I mean, if they could park in the door, they would. Right. But then they want to leave. Yeah. And somebody else, there are four cars around them. And now they're not free, they're bound. God set up a system in which real freedom comes when we follow after him. Yeah. And, and there's such joy in walking with him. And you know what it looks like? Uh, Paul said, and, and this is out of context here, um, but I think it captures it well. Whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And that really should be our motivation to glorify God in whatever it is we do. And, and so obedience to, to the commands of Christ is to God's glory. Why? Because he alone is worthy. Right. But if you're not careful, you'll just have a bunch of people um, carrying the king around. And he is this horrible, malevolent, dictatorial pontificating what despot 
that's not God. Well, yeah, but that's not loving. That's not doing what you're doing out of love. That's doing what you're doing out of uh, obligation. But that's how a lot of people view Christianity, and that's how a lot of people <laughs> view the law. So when we talk about following the commandments, it, they are burdensome to those people. And so what I would have, it, I, I would import the Westminster, uh, what, shorter catechism, what is the chief end of man, yeah. to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Right. I think those are absolutely inextricably linked. That the Absolutely. glory of God and, and the enjoyment like, of yeah. God. So, so if if I looked at you, I know that you're a huge uh, believer. You're you're a huge. Did Justin, you just call me fat? Yeah, a believer. Uh, you're a huge Justin Bieber fan. I, I will. Bieber. <laughs> I said I will get violent in here. All right. So, I mean, it's really kind of embarrassing when you hear one of the songs come on the radio and you're screaming, "Oh, that's my jam. That's my choice." Cat. I, I yeah. couldn't tell you one song he sings. Yeah. Uh, you. Yeah. You've got a playlist of him, don't? I, I do. I know. Yeah, I do. I, yeah. So, anyways. If somebody said, hey, I've got tickets, you wouldn't say, oh, I have to go. Oh, no, I have no. to. <laughs> I definitely would not. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like screaming. You'd be, oh, I can't wait to go. I think multiply that, multiply that by infinity. And that's the response that we will have in heaven. And that's heading towards the response we ought to have now. Yeah. We get to serve God. We get to be in his presence. We get to enjoy him. Again, the, the illustration when I was younger, it doesn't carry as much weight uh, now, but is if somebody ever asked me you know, when I was younger, hey, we want you to carry Michael Jordan's gym bag and stinky shoes. I'd be, um, what an honor. What an honor. You'd be first in line, oh, wouldn't first, you? And, there would be, and I wouldn't be the only one. If somebody says Michael Jordan's looking for somebody to carry his gym bag around and before the game and after the game, before the game you just have to carry it in and set it in the locker, after the game you're just carrying it on the bus and hanging out with him, and you'd be going, what an honor. How much more? And, and God doesn't ask us to carry his stinky gym bag. He calls us to walk with him. Hmm. That's a beautiful picture. Hmm. Well, uh, listener, thank you for listening this week. I hope this has been uh, an encouraging week for you. Hopefully it's uh, one in which you, you have maybe been provoked to think um, and to wrestle with God's word. And I, I invite you to continue to do that this weekend, even as you attend uh, your local church and worship the Lord Jesus Christ through song, through lifting up your prayers, and, and through the proclamation of the word of God. If you'll continue to do those things, I look forward to seeing you back here on Monday. God bless.